You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Who's ready to jump into the Word? Awesome. Well, if you have a Bible, grab it. We're in the book of Genesis. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back. Um, And so we are really excited about what God uh, is leading us in through the book of Genesis. Uh, But let me ask this question. Is anybody tired? Anybody tired? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who, who, I want to hear your voice here. Who enjoys sleep? Okay. All right. Who doesn't like, like who, who can like take or leave sleep? Anybody? Let me hear you. All right, the ones that are not loud. Okay. Um, so I guess the average American, uh, I did some research this week, sleeps an average of 6.8 hours a day. Um, that's kind of the average sleep pattern of, of an American. And um, quality sleep is tied to better productivity, to success, even physical health. Like sleep is, is actually something that's important. Um, but there is a difference between sleep and rest. Sleep and rest. Um, I don't know about you, but I actually can personally be more tired after a day of like cashing out and vegging. You ever feel that way? You ever have a day where you're just not productive, you don't do anything, you think, hey, I'm going to take it easy today, and so maybe you turn on some movies, you lay on the couch, and at the middle of that day, do you ever like just find yourself like getting up and being like, ugh, and everything kind of just hurts, and you, you don't feel rejuvenated, you actually almost in some ways feel more tired, and, and we do this pattern of uh, binging on Netflix or just endless minutes and hours of scrolling on different social media feeds or uh, news feeds, and then in the end, we end up just actually being more exhausted than when we started. But rest is not only important, it is necessary. Actually, we were created to rest. And so today, we are diving into Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be talking about rest. So what is rest, why rest, and how can we rest? Are you excited about talking about rest today? For those of you that are tired? Yeah, awesome. Well, let me read God's word for us. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Thus... The heavens and the earth were finished. We're coming into this passage where the last couple weeks we've talked about creation and how God's word made all things. That the God of heaven created things with the power of his word. He created it with a purpose. And then he creates man and woman intimately made in his image. Thus the heavens and the earth were formed, were finished. And all the host of them And on the seventh day, God finished his work. That's important. You might want to circle that. God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are so thankful for your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you for modeling for us what it means to rest. 
And so, God, I pray right now as we come into this place and our minds are racing uh, with all the stuff that we have uh, experienced this week, all the stuff that we are going to experience this week coming up, Lord, uh, our minds are, some often feel like these minefields of, of chaos that, that we just have to navigate through. And, and so I pray, Lord, that as we sit here under the teaching of your word, that you um, focus our hearts and our minds so we can understand and know the beauty of rest and what it is that you have designed and created us to be and do as we were made in your image. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So Genesis 2, 1 through 3, show us that after God created all things, he made an intentional choice to rest. But why? Why would God make an intentional choice to rest when, when he doesn't tire, he doesn't grow weary? And the psalmist writes in Psalm 121, 3 and 4, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So then why after creating all of these things? It's not like God created the entirety of the universe and the cosmos and then was tired. So that's not the case here. He wasn't exhausted from, I mean, he is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is everywhere. He doesn't slumber or sleep, so why rest? Well, I love what Nancy Guthrie writes in her book, The Promised One. This is a study that our women's ministry is going through uh, on Wednesday nights here, starting, I think, at 6 o'clock. Thursday mornings, they're at 9.30, um, both over, uh, one's over in that building, Wednesday nights up here. Um, And they're going through this book by Nancy Guthrie, going through the book of Genesis, And I love what she writes about rest because this really puts into perspective why the God of all creation who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere would rest. Though the creation and the calling of man is the crowning work of creation, it is certainly not the climax of the account of creation. Mankind is not the reason for God's creation of the heavens and the earth. Wait, what? Hold on a second. That may be the first time you ever heard anything like that. Let's keep going. Humans are not the focus of the creation story. Wait, I'm not the focus of everything in this world? Like, newsflash... Like, we're not the center of the universe. It's not about us. Well, what is it about then? The glory of God is at the heart of creation. We were created to glorify the creator and enjoy him forever. And God established this by setting a pattern for humanity to set aside one day for worship. God did not rest because he was tired. He rested so that those made in his image would share in his rest through worship. This truly puts into perspective why God of the cosmos would rest. So what is rest? Well, this is not checking out. This is not zoning out. This is not spending hours scrolling through endless feeds of nonsense. Rest is worship. We rest because God commands us 
Check this. God commands us to stop, to focus, and to recalibrate our lives around him for his glory. So he writes, he rested. That word there is a Hebrew word, Shabbat. We see this in Jewish culture, the Shabbat. If any of you have watched the series, The Chosen, you heard them use that word over and over again. Shabbat means ceased, finished. The seventh day of the Jewish week, this is the seventh day of the Jewish week, and is the day of rest, of uh, abstention from work as commanded by God. Shabbat involves two interrelated commandments, to remember and to observe. So in English, we call this the Sabbath. We see this in Exodus 28 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that was in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So look at verse 3. Genesis 2, verse 3. He says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because God rested from all of his work that he had done in all creation. He ceased, he finished. This word Shabbat, he, he, he went through and he remembered and observed. So, so what does this look like? Remember and observe. Well, when we remember, when we pause at any given point and we stop and we cease and we finish the, the uh, hamster wheel that's known as life. Anybody else feel that way? The hamster wheel that we're on? Right? When, we, when we pause from that, we stop and we remember. This is reflecting on what God has done. So in Jewish culture, the Shabbat would be remembering their freedom from slavery in Egypt. They would be remembering what God did for their ancestors. So this would be Abraham and Jacob and David and, and reflecting on all the goodness of the Lord, of what he has done for their family and for generations. And for us, we've been adopted into that ancestry. So we are stopping ceasing to remember the freedom that we have found in Jesus from our sin, from our shame, from our brokenness, from the endless life of pulling up our bootstraps and getting the work, Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. So we, on a weekly and daily basis, need to stop, pause, reflect, and remember all that God has done that we have freedom from sin. So this is a daily practice, and we're going to talk about this as we go on, but this is a daily practice of us stopping and ceasing. We can wake up in the morning, start our day, brush our teeth, brush our hair, get all the things going, get off to work or get off to starting homeschool, get the kids off to school, whatever it may be, and then we can get to the end of the day without ever stopping and remembering the goodness of the Lord. But we are called to stop. We are called to rest and to remember all that the Lord has done, Shabbat. And then we observe, well, this is creating sacred space. Do you, this is a question, create sacred space to worship God weekly? Or do you live in unintentional and haphazard time where you're just letting this time slip by without worshipful rest? If you're anything like me, I can be very unintentional with how I observe and create sacred space to reflect on all that the Lord has done. 
Are you intentional to worship God? I mean, we're busy people. I mean, we spend a lot of time, you know, putting our kids in traveling sports and Disney and going to the beach and going on boats. I mean, and none of that is bad, by the way. I'm not dogging that. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But even in the midst of that, we usually take the sacred space that that God has created for us to gather with his people, and we instead do those other things. So when we're doing those other things, are we creating sacred space inside of that? Just, Just think of Disney. Like, we have to get up early in the morning if you're anything. I have four kids, right? So you have to get up at like, you know, 5 a.m. and try to get them dressed. You want to get to the park on time. And then you get all your stuff and the strollers and the things. And you, you load it up and you get through the lines. And then you got to get to the first ride that everybody's trying to go to, right? So you're, you're pushing through the crowd. And then, and then you get in that line. And then you're talking about who's hungry, right? It's 8 a.m. No one eats at 8 a.m., you know, to begin with at my house. But for some reason, you're in the park and you're hungry, right? And so, and then who has to go to the bathroom and... And we just don't create that space, even in those moments, to stop and pause and reflect and observe what God has done. And then we use the excuse, well, we didn't have time. Really? In the two-hour line waiting for that ride? You didn't have time to stop, pause, and reflect? Well, why not? Why not is because we're unintentional with it. We're unintentional with that time to remember and observe We need a reset, a daily reset, maybe for some of us an hourly reset. (laughs) We need time weekly to reset. Um, Has anybody ever experienced with technology uh, where something freezes on you? You ever experienced with your phone, with your iPad, with your computer, um, that, that it just freezes up? It just stops doing what it was intended to do. Do you know what the number one prescription for that is? What is it? Turn it off and turn it back on. What is that called? Reset it. Why would you need to reset technology? Well, it overheats, has faulty software or hardware, and it has issues with the memory. Those are the top three reasons why uh, a technology piece would, would misfunction. Guess what? Same is true for us. We need to reset. We need to shut off and restart. We need this daily. We need this weekly. Especially in this go, go, go world that we live in where we are constantly doing stuff where more, faster is the theme of our life. We just sit frozen. And often when technology stops working and we can't get it to function again, we end up shutting it or turning it off and just throwing it in a drawer somewhere. And too many of us have been frozen in our relationship with God and in our relationship with other believers for so long that we've just been sitting in a drawer doing absolutely nothing. Children of God Believers who have been called to love God, love others, and make disciples. God does not intend for you to stay in the drawer, not functional. God does not intend for us to stay there, sitting there, useless. And the devil uses all sorts of things to cause us to freeze up. Often he uses hurt, bitterness, anger, the things of this world, situations, hurt, pain, broken relationships. He uses those things to cause us to freeze up and we never take the time to shut off and turn back on. 
We need a reset. We need to spend time resting, but not just checking out. I'm not talking about escapism. We spend far too much time in escapism and far too little time in worshipful, God-glorifying, Jesus-centered, spirit-led rest. And then we wonder why we're not experiencing God. So verse 3, what does he say? He said, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So why rest? Why should we, as God's people, rest? Well, for one, we are weak and we need rest. Now, I, don't, I know we don't like to admit this, right? If you're, if you're a man in this room, right? We're not weak. We're strong. We're self-made men. We got this. We can do this. We can push through. You ever hear the term white-knuckling? Like, it's, it's the idea of, like, when you're driving and, like, things get really tense around you and you, like, grab onto that steering wheel really tight and your knuckles turn white, right? That's what we do with life. We white-knuckle it. We, we grit our teeth. We bear through it. But we are weak and we are broken people. And, and there has to come to a place in our lives where we realize that we're not God. And God didn't intend for us to be God. We're not meant to white-knuckle our way through life. We are weak, and we need rest. And God is all-powerful, and he makes rest for us. The rest that he took, what did he do? He made it holy for us to enjoy him. Just like a phone needs to be recharged, it must stay plugged in to the source of power. Sometimes I think we forget that God is the source of life. He is the source. And if we're not staying plugged in to him, we are going to drain out and then be rendered useless, thrown in the drawer, not being used. We must be plugged into the source of life. Why? Because we run out on our own power. We are weak. And we are also very easily distracted. I mean, we consume the things of this world like so that it gives us kind of a temporary boost of satisfaction. But do you ever try to um, find recharge in things of this world? At some point when you try to consume the world as life, you're going to be left dead. And so what do you need to do? You need to go get more of it. That's how addictions form. Right? You get that little taste of energy, a little taste of satisfaction, little taste of fulfillment, and then it's gone. It's fleeting. It's like being hungry and eating a Snickers bar. I'm sorry, but it says, hungry, why wait? And so you eat this thing, but then what? Half hour later, you're starving again because your body wasn't created to have that put inside of it, that fabricated, manufactured garbage. And we go through life with this fast food mentality of we're just a quick fix, a quick fix, a quick fix. And we're not resting in the source of life. We're easily distracted. And so what distracts us? Well, the things that I want, the things that look enticing to me, fulfillment, satisfaction. And this is the, one of the number one tools of the enemy is to distract you from plugging into the source of life. He wants to keep you in the drawer rendered useless. And so it's kind of like a fly when you're eating, Right? 
that constant distraction of it landing on your food and buzzing in your ear and you're swatting and, and, and do you ever like have that in, a, in a, like a family barbecue? You can't pay attention to anything else other than trying to get that fly. That's what the enemy does. He just buzzes around, lands on your food, tries to distract you with all these other things so that you're not fixed and focused on the one thing that we should be, which is the enjoyment of God, the creator of all things. That's why God created the seventh day and made it holy. So why rest? It's this shift from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. Self-centeredness to God-centeredness. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. This is one of those things that I think for For those that have professed faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, this makes sense. Like if you're looking at me today and you're a believer, you're someone who has surrendered your life to Jesus, you're looking at me nodding your head. Agreed? Give me a nod if that's you. Okay, so you've you've experienced this in some way, shape, or form. If you haven't experienced life in Jesus, this doesn't make sense. If you've not experienced life in Jesus, talking about Sabbath rest and coming with a body of believers and worshiping God and and spending time opening up the word and praying and actually dedicating time in your week to enjoy God, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, this makes no sense. Gathering with people to talk about the word of God, gathering with people to sing songs to God, And I want you to know that I totally understand that. Like, I understand, like, you sitting here going, I hear you, but I don't get it. And there's a reason, because your eyes have not been yet opened to the beauty of God. And here's what I want you to know. There is a God who created all things. We can spend our lives trying to to convince ourselves that he's not real, but the truth is that God is real. God did create all things. We couldn't have just morphed out of nothingness. We couldn't have evolved from monkeys. Like that doesn't happen. Like so we, God, intentionally formed and created man in his image to know and enjoy him. And I want you to know if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he loves you. And he wants a personal, intimate, interactive relationship with you. He wants to give you life. And all that is required of you is to trust that he paid the full price. He doesn't require for you to clean up your life before he saves you. He saves you and then leads you through transformation of his Holy Spirit to begin to transform and work and change your life for his name and for his glory. Too often we think we need to figure all this stuff out and get ourselves clean before coming to God. No, 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 no. God takes us as we are in our brokenness, in our sin, because we are dead, and then he gives us life. And so today is the day of salvation, and if you don't know Jesus, Jesus wants you to know that he desires to know you, and he, does, he, he wants you to know him, and so rest is for you. Even if you don't believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God created rest for you to know him and to worship him. So how can we rest? Well, there's a difference between this self-focused escapism, and we've talked about that. Self-focused escapism versus God-glorifying rest. Self-focused escapism sucks life from you. It does. 
It may feel good in the moment, but at the end of it, it sucks life from you. God glorifying rest gives you life. And if we have a few seconds throughout our day, uh, maybe this is, maybe you work uh, in an office and you're on your computer and there's either cameras on you or your boss is in a stone's throw away and they see you so you feel like you have to be sitting there. But then there's the moment you get up and you go to the bathroom or you go get a drink of water or you, you go out to your car to get something. It's in those little moments that what we tend to do is flip open our phone and check our feed or flip open our phone and see who's messaged us instead of plugging into the source of life. These little moments add up. Instead of grabbing our phones, turning on the TV, watching the news, reading the news articles, these marginal minutes add up. So what can we do in the marginal minutes of our day? One, we could read the Bible. I mean, God has given us technology. Back in the day, the, the word of God was written in scrolls kept in the temple. It was very difficult for people to have access to this, but we have it right here. I mean, we literally have the word of God right on our phones. The same thing that distracts us can also be used to fuel our relationship with the Lord. There's an app. It's called the Version Bible app. You can get download that app. There are reading plans on that app. There are, you can, I, here's my recommendation pick a book of the Bible and read through it. And so every time you open it, it's at that next passage and you just read a couple of verses. Maybe open up your notes app and, and take some, everybody's phone has a notes app, by the way, even if you're still T9ing it, right? You have a notes app. And so um, maybe if you don't know how to use your notes app, you send a text message to a spouse or a friend. Say, hey, this is what God's teaching me in this. So you have a record of these things. Maybe you can send it back and forth from one another, but read the Bible, we can, we can spend intentional time printing out verses. You can go on Amazon and buy verses already pre-made and looking all pretty. If you're a Pinterest person, you can do that. And, and you can buy these things and tape them all over your house. Tape them on your desk at work. Put it in your car on your steering wheel. Put it on your dashboard. Put them in places that you're going to see them constantly so that when you have those marginal minutes that you can sit and look and read God's word and be refreshed by his spirit in your life. You can um, spend time praying. And I think often sometimes we even um, don't understand what prayer looks like in those marginal minutes. But maybe it's prayer for something that's going on in the day. Maybe it's prayer for something that's going on in somebody else's life that you know of. If you are maybe like me and you forget when people tell you to pray for things, do you, are you, do you like, does someone say something to you and you're like, oh, I'll pray for that, and then you forget that thing? Anybody? You have a notes app on your phone. You can go in and start taking notes and writing down people's names. This is a good way to get to know people's names. If you're sitting at church and you're like, oh, you know, that's, you put their name in, right? You put in Greg, and then you put in, all right, here's his prayer request, and then, and then you open that up, and you spend some time on your way home praying for those people in your life, praying for your kids, parents, you can't do this enough. Kids, praying for your parents, you can't do that enough. Kids, do you want your parents to be better parents? Pray for them. Pray for them. If you want the Spirit of God to transform your parents, pray for, pray for your parents. Adults, do you want your parents to be better parents? <laughs> pray for them. Hey, do you have an issue with one of your neighbors or your coworkers? Pray for them. Do you have a fight with a sibling? 
Do you, do you, is there someone in your life that you, you, you really hope that the Spirit of God transforms them and gives them life in him? Pray for them. Spend those marginal minutes reading the Bible. Spend those marginal minutes praying. Spend those marginal minutes recalibrating. The other day, um, I don't know what it was, but I got in my car and I started driving. I, I turned out here and was going down Winkler and uh, the radio wasn't on. Um, there was nothing playing and it was like dead silent. And all of a sudden, like, I felt like I could breathe. I know that sounds weird, but in the midst of dead silence, I'm like, oh, this actually feels good for nothing to be playing, for no one to be talking, for nothing to be on the radio, no music. It just was silent. We need those moments to recalibrate. So how do we rest? We know how to do these things, but we just don't do it. We're unintentional with our rest. But what we're seeing here in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, is that God has set aside time for us to rest, the Shabbat, the Sabbath, and he has made it holy. And we have made it unholy by filling up that time with stuff other than things that put our focus on him, to his glory, to his name. And all of this culminates into one point. You ready for this? Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our rest. We have the beauty of looking back into history and seeing that there was a real person. There was a real person whose name was Jesus who lived a life that is recorded in history that was crucified on a cross historically and biblically who was placed into a tomb and then disappeared. And I want to tell you that it wasn't a hoax. It wasn't a fabrication of things. He went from death to life. He rose again. That is the beauty of the gospel, that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. For us, Jesus is our rest. The great and final meaning of Sabbath is that Jesus has become our rest. And that's why in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he himself says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ has come to purchase your rest. He is our resting place. The burden of saving ourselves has been lifted. He has brought salvation to us and for us to his glory. So when we talk about a response, Miguel, you can start coming up. Um, the rest of the band, you can wait for a moment. Um, when we think about a response, I always want to make sure that the response that we have is practical, but also gospel-centered, because this isn't three steps to a better you. Like, I'm not telling you three ways to be a better person. I'm, I, I want to share with you that God has ordained rest. That's what his word says. He has made it holy, and he has designed you, made in his image, to rest. That's how you're designed. That's how he's created you. And if you're not being intentional with that rest, you're not living into and pressing into what God has created for you to rest. And so when I was going through this, I started asking myself a few questions. These are not questions that are going to, uh, you know, be like these aha moment questions where you're going to be like, I've never thought of that. I just want to lay out what God put to me. And I do it in this way of start, stop, continue. 
This is actually something that we've uh, placed into our marriage. We've done this before where I go to my wife and I say, hey, what are some things I need to stop? What are some things I need to start? What are some things I need to continue? Guys, it could be scary, but if your wife loves Jesus, it'll be, Jesus, it'll be gospel-centered. Um, and so uh, start something. But, but I was looking at this passage, looking at Jesus as a rest and how we can rest and what are the things we need to rest. And here are the questions that God brought to my mind. Because this is a shift from I need to do a better job at resting to how can I recalibrate my life to glorify God above all else? That's a shift. You need to shift in your mind, how can I do a better job, to how can the Spirit of God recalibrate my life to glorify God above all else? And here are the questions. What is God inviting me to start? I want you to think about this. What is God inviting you to start right now? As we walk through Sabbath rest, as we walk through the Shabbat, as we walk through remembering and observing and, and using those marginal minutes in our lives to, to read the Bible and pray and recalibrate what is God inviting you specifically? Don't answer this question for your spouse. God wants to speak to me today. He wants to speak to you today. What is he inviting you to start? What is God convicting me to stop? Maybe you need to delete those social media apps from your phone. Maybe you need to stop playing those video games. Maybe you need to just stop wasting endless minutes on all of the the abbreviations, uh, Fox and CNN and CNBC, like maybe you need to take a break from that stuff and use that time to recalibrate and spend time with Jesus. What is God convicting me to stop? And what is God encouraging me to continue? Because my hope would be is that there's something in your life right now, if you're a believer and follower of Jesus, that he's saying, no, keep going, keep doing that. Maybe it's going to church. Maybe you've committed as a family that we're going to keep coming. Maybe it's being a part of a community group. Maybe it's serving in a certain way. So continue. But I want you to ask these three questions of yourself, and I want you to sit as Miguel is playing. I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come back on up, and they're going to lead us in song. And in this, in this song that they're leading us in, I want these questions to, to be something that the Spirit of God is pressing in on you. If it's of you, it's going to phase out. But if it's of the Spirit of God and you press into the Spirit of God, He will transform these things in your life. And so ask these questions of yourself and then write them down somewhere. That's going to be my ask, is write them down somewhere. Keep them in front of you. Because if you don't keep them in front of you, you're going to forget about it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. And so write them down. God, what are you inviting me to start? What is God convincing me to stop? And what is God encouraging me to continue? I'm going to ask if you would leave these up there in this time. Let's take a few moments to, to sit before the Lord. And then we're going to join together in song. Jesus, I pray that you do a work in our hearts and our minds. God, we can't do this without you. You, from the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, set aside, modeled for us what our lives should look like. And so on the seventh day, you created rest. And you created it for us. God, there's never a moment in our lives where we are left alone apart from you as believers. Your spirit is constantly dwelling inside of us. Your spirit has given us life. 
And I don't want us to think that this is a, a, a plug-in, plug-out, plug-in, plug-out thing, that you are with us, you are giving us life all the time. But you have designed rest, Lord, for us to pause, to reflect, to meditate, to recalibrate our lives. Because the world around us and the enemy has caused the world around us to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But you, Lord Jesus, have come to give us life and life to the full. And so I pray that this would be a drastic transformation in each one of our lives, that we would realize and recognize the importance of Sabbath rest. We would recognize the importance of setting a time, sacred time, in our week, in our day, and in our lives to fix and focus our lives and our attention on you. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. In you we belong, we are known, and we are loved. So I pray, Lord, that you would teach us what rest is and how we are to glorify your name. We love you. Amen.